Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our free discovery call. If you're unsure how to start or build a consistent brand, let's talk. Just go to danielleclarkcreative.com to book your free discovery call and see how you can create a brand that helps you win more customers and reach your goals. Welcome to Build Better Brands. I'm Danielle Clark and this show is here to provide insights, techniques and strategies to help you establish a better brand with confidence and clarity. We're on a mission to help as many people as possible start and build stronger brands so they can create happier, healthier lives for themselves and those around them. Welcome to another episode of Build Better Brands, the podcast where we delve into the world of branding and business strategies. I'm your host, Danielle Clark, and today we have a special guest joining us. We welcome Amir Bazrafshan, head marketer at Apricot Sky, founder of Apricot Box and managing director of Apricot Video Marketing. Amir brings with him extensive experience in audience building for B2B brands and is helping businesses build audiences focused on future buyers. So today's conversation, I'm sure, will provide valuable insights for anyone wanting to build better brands. Uh, Welcome to the show, Amir. Hey, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome to have you here. Um, I'm I'm really excited about our conversation today. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. (laughs) So I was having a look at your LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. um, which is interesting because we actually, I think I first came in contact with you on Instagram um, many, many moons ago. Um, And I did notice that you've got a background in the film industry. Um, That must have been fascinating. Um, Was that, was film something that you always kind of wanted to do, um, you know, as a kid? Um, how has how has the journey into marketing and entrepreneurship now um, kind of happened? Yeah, I mean, so as a kid, I wanted to be a professional footballer, <laughs> but, that, <laughs> okay. but that didn't happen. And I developed an interest in film uh, just as I got, you know, into later teens and early twenties, and um, just got into the local scene in, in Nottingham. It was thri- really thriving, sort of back then. Independent films were being made all over the place, and there was a lot of like government funding at the time as well. Um, so there was a lot of opportunity to learn, to write, to direct, to work on film sets, to learn how to shoot and things like that. So that was sort of my entrance into like the film industry, I suppose. And then, um, also sort of working in marketing as well, you know, like the, 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 the day job. Um, but then after a while, I was hired as head of marketing and, uh, head of production for a film distribution company, a very small one, like a startup. And there were just like three or four of us. And it was our job to um, source uh, films, independent films. We would buy the rights to the ones that we thought had commercial um, potential. And then we'd create campaigns and um, marketing campaigns, you know, assets, get the films out onto DVD and into cinemas. So... That was really fun. I did that for about four years. It was really fun, really fun fun time. Learned an awful lot. Um, and then after that, um, I sort of had the itch to really um, work for myself. 
um, and build build my own thing. And that's when the video agency started, video marketing. So I could combine, you know, stuff that I understood about, you know, using cameras and video and that stuff with, with marketing. And that's that's sort of how I got started. Okay. I love that. This is so common. People wanting to scratch this itch and taking the thing that they already enjoy and then going, okay, I want to start my own business. How can I take my passion and turn it into something, turn it into a business and help people and, and make some money along the way? Video is pretty exciting and it's certainly taking off these days. Video is becoming more and more popular. And I think it's because as humans, we, we love stories and video is a great way to, to tell stories. I'm sure there's some exciting stories about how your agency's helped uh, predominantly B2B brands grow their audience, boost their brand, make more sales. Have you got any standout stories, um, any exciting things that have, that have happened so far? Yeah, so this is actually not a B2B example, but um, a while ago we did a campaign for a an organisation that's related to, to mental health and we did a campaign for them, including a video and um, advice around campaign uh, around you know running a campaign, a grassroots campaign, and it was so successful that they had to hire more staff to cope with the uh, to cope with the demand. And um, the video, what I think, what made the video work was it was just so like authentic. I mean, there was a lot of the people that the organisation helped were in the video. So there was a real soul and core to um, to that piece of content that I think obviously struck a chord with like-minded people who, and it really resonated and it resulted in um, just an incredible lift in inquiries, something like over 500% more than the same time last year. And they just had to had to like hire more people to, to help cope with that, that demand. So I think that's, that shows like the, the potential. Obviously there's been, you know, fortunate, to be a part of lots of other wins for for, for for clients but that one really stands out um to me i suppose probably because of the area of mental health as well which means a lot to me um so yeah if i had to sort of like pick one it'll be that yeah i love that and i know mental health has become i feel like it's become how can i put this I want to say the word popular, but I don't feel like that's the right word, but I feel like it's it's everywhere at the moment. And it's something that I've cared about for a very, very long time, uh, something that's very close to my heart. But I think when you work in the sector that we do, when when we think about the impact that we can have in that way, Okay, yeah, I know we're not doctors, we're not nurses, we're but but there's there's still we can still have a, a dramatic impact on on people's lives and be that health, mental health, fitness, whatever. Um and it's super rewarding that okay, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, but actually I can still have a positive impact on the thing that I really care about. Yeah. I think if you if you sort of spoke to Seth Godin about that he he talked about it making change and I think that's what people in marketing can do you can make change marketing is change 
you can't sort of convince someone, you know, or persuade someone to to download an ebook or, you know, buy a subscription to something if you haven't changed something in them, like a thought, a belief, uh, an action, etc. And and uh, yeah, I think that's sort of like the secret power of of marketing that's often overlooked. Yeah, I love that. The secret power of marketing is to make change. I feel like that should be on a t-shirt or something. <laughs> well, it it goes it goes under the radar, doesn't it? Because um, I think in order to to sort of work with with that sort of definition, you have to zoom out a little bit and you have to really think about the change you want to make. But too many people go straight to tactics. For example, um, the over tactification of marketing is something that isn't good for the discipline. It's not good for the people that do that. And it really, you know, there's an opportunity cost there. It's costing you the ability to to actually do something that's impactful. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've seen that firsthand coming from a graphic design background, moving more into brand identity and now brand strategy. I've seen the benefit of really focusing on that strategy first. So many clients talk about and get really excited about the visuals, the look, the colors, and getting a website, telling everyone about their products or service, what they're going to do, and their social media. Okay, we've got posts on social every day. Let's get on Instagram. But there's no there's no strategy, there's no plan. And it's it's not long before they they start to feel lost, unsure why people are no longer contacting them after the initial excitement of something new. And it's because there's this lack of strategy, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think when when you look at things that are just either lukewarm or not working, it tends to be because or things that start off, like you say, uh, doing okay and getting some kind of results but don't sustain and don't improve, then yeah, that that often signals uh, a lack of a lack of strategy and I think it's probably because um I think most people don't really know what strategy truly is. I think there's a lot of crossed wires and misunderstandings about about what strategy is and what it isn't, um, and it obviously doesn't help. No, not at all. So it sounds like that that video campaign that you did for that company went really well. You said was it a five five hundred percent something public? like that? Yeah, 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 which is fantastic. And I'm sure you received some amazing feedback and compliments but what's the best compliment you've ever received about your work and it can't be from your mum or dad <laughs> can it be from my girlfriend no, no. um <laughs> it will probably be in relation to uh, my work as a coach on the on the old mba uh, because you have an opportunity to really connect um and support people doing some really important like work so um to be honest, I don't, when I get compliments, I sort of, obviously I'm, I try to be gracious about it, but I, I, I don't like have clippings and I, I don't really remember them that well. But I know that some people have said that, you know, my support and uh, whatnot through the MBA process has been, um, was key for them in in that experience. And that always means, uh, means a lot. That's awesome. So um, let's talk about the MBA. Mm-hmm. So you're a coach on Seth Godin's old MBA and you've also completed the course, which is a intensive four week online workshop. 
Yeah, so I, I was a student on the Art MBA uh, in 2016. And um, after, it's it's four or five weeks. It's, like you say, it's very intense. You do, you've got to ship like 13 projects. Um, it's not enough time to do that many projects, but that's the point. Um, and you go through uh, with a cohort of people, typically between 15 to 20, you know, other people. And there are group projects and there are individual projects. And it pushes you harder uh, physically, but also and somewhat unexpectedly, you know, interpersonally, emotionally, that kind of thing. Um, and it's the magic of it is that people come out the other end and have changed in some quite profound ways. Um, so, yeah, it's, it was a treat to go through it. And it's been a treat to be asked to coach, um, you know, several times since since then. That's fantastic. So coaching sounds like a fantastic opportunity. And, and the fact that you've completed the LMBA as well, that's a significant accomplishment because I've I've looked at it and considered it myself and it looks it looks intense. Um did you get to meet Seth? Um on I think when I when they asked me to coach I had to do some sort of um call where we did a presentation like training and he was on he was on one of the calls. Uh but Seth is really he's taken a step back from the he it was never something that he was going to running a hands-on way. I mean, he used to be in Slack groups um, uh, back in the early days. Um, but he has, you know, a very capable team. A guy called Alex is like sort of heading it up now and he's got a wonderful team. There's uh, a lady called Jalisa who's the head of student experience and she's fantastic. So there's just some very special people that are involved in that. And Seth has pretty much handed the reins over to them and entrusted them to take this vehicle this vehicle that you know can create a lot of positive change, um, and um, and to and to make it make it better, you know. That's cool. How has doing the old MBA? How has that experience influenced the way you approach marketing and business now? I think I was I was someone that always understood, for example, like the importance of empathy. Um, and um wanting to have an, a positive impact on people but i think the the alt mba going through the alt mba i think the impact and influence that's had on me is just underscoring the absolute importance of if you want to do work that matters if you want to do um you know if you want to make change then empathy isn't you know, you don't have a say. <laughs> you have to be empathetic. <laughs> it's it's actually a generous thing to do, and it's actually a very it's a difficult thing to do as as well. And it um, just as an aside, the Alt MBA it sort of breaks down a lot of quote unquote rules where people tag themselves as oh, I am an empathetic person, or I am not an empathetic person. Empathy is a skill, and you kind of like learn it by practicing and doing reps. Um, so. That was a big, that's a big one. And and just being, learning to be brave with your work. like and, and what I mean by brave is noticing where, you know, building the habit of noticing where there's resistance when you're doing something. Um, be it procrastination, be it just that uncomfortable feeling that you get when you sit down to do something or think about something that's important. Noticing that 
and getting used to sitting in that feeling anyway. Because it's just a feeling, it shouldn't stop you from doing work that's important and work that matters. So I think that it's um, that sort of, you know, they're, they're the couple of areas I would say that have really um, learned a lot and continue to learn a lot, you know, from. Yeah, and it looks like it because you've got a fairly new venture, which is Apricot Sky. This mm-hmm. is your latest venture. Mm-hmm. And at the, the time of recording this podcast, it's about four months old. Um, and you're helping, is it? I would say it's, me about, if I'm wrong? it's a couple of months. Yeah, it's a, we're um, a couple of months into it and, you know, soft launch and uh, and that kind of thing. But, but yeah, it's helping uh, B2B brands to make better use of social media and build audiences of um, future buyers. Yeah, and it's this future buyers that I'm really interested in. There was a statistic that I saw something about, I think you said around, is it 98 or 99% of people aren't ready to buy now? <laughs> yeah, so it, it, this is just sort of, uh, it, this um, connects back just to the first principles, or one of the first principles of marketing, and that's how a market works. And in B2B, there are a lot fewer people buying than we might realise. And the B2B Institute and the Ehrenberg Bass Institute, uh, who were the largest marketing research institute in the world, have uh, done um, research <laughs> into this area and published what they call the 95-5 rule, So, which states, as you said, you know, 95% of an audience just aren't buying now. Now, that's, that percentage is more of a rule of thumb for us to understand the fact that there are far more future buyers than there are people that are buying now. And in reality, I mean, we've got customers where there are less than 1% of their market buying now, buying in this quarter. And that's because of the relationship between the inter-purchase time of the thing that they're selling and the size of the market. So when you actually look at the reality of the way that a market works and the amount of demand that actually exists now, it has or it should have a big impact on the way that you go about doing your, your marketing and we absolutely need to optimize and try and capture as much of the existing demand as we can. But we also need to be reaching, influencing and priming future buyers to think of us when they come to buy in, in the future, be it next quarter, the quarter after or next year. So this the concept of a future buyer is actually not very well known, but really, really important for long term growth. So that's sort of um, the, you know, the enjoyable challenge, I suppose, of, of sort of starting up Apricot Sky, sort of bringing this to, to market and telling this story um, about, about the truth of, you know, how a B2B market works. Yeah. We all know that, well, I'm making the assumption here, but me and you know that building an audience is crucial. Many of the listeners might know that as well. Without a strategy, you can't market. And without marketing, there's no sales. But how can you really reach and influence non-buyers to consider a B2B brand? What strategies, if, if you're willing to reveal, have you found to be effective? Yeah, so this all comes back to empathy. And if you sort of imagine somebody that's a part of your target market, but they're just not interested in buying now. They have no interest 
whatsoever and they have other priorities. That's sort of, that's sort of your starting point and you've got to think, okay, so if that's true, then what? how do we need to show up in order to earn their attention and keep it and build on that? And it start, that starts with, with empathy and, and really seeing, using, you know, the most customer-centric lens you can to understand what their priorities are, um, where their struggles are, and really creating, you know, a strategy that's based around those. I, I, I really like the jobs to be done um, framework for, for that. And also looking at, looking at storytelling as well. Storytelling is vastly underused in B2B. It's, again, it's probably something that's not that well understood, um, but it's leverage. Um, it's a really good mechanism for for articulating the change that you make, but doing so, again, in a customer-centric way, in a way that someone that's not buying might care about. And again, the tools for that uh, point of view statement, you know, having a good point of view um, and a, a strategic narrative as, as well. I think they're some of the components that um, that I've seen and I use, and you know, to, to to make it to make it work, to to get that attention of people that have no interest in buying now. Um, and then over time, as as people's needs evolve, you know, the content that you that you're creating uh, can evolve as as well to suit that. Okay, so it's all about thinking long term and and ultimately starting with empathy, thinking about okay, so your audience, what are their struggles, what are they, what are the things that they're they're finding difficult difficult, how can you help them? Um I suppose being a lot a lot of people when they when they think about social media, they think about, you know, selling and talking about themselves and all the amazing things that they can do but it sounds like what you're saying is it's about it really is about the audience and speaking speaking to them and talking about how you can help them rather than talking about yourself yeah well just imagine let's say you go on uh on social media after you know we've had this chat and you come across an ad for for an accountancy um, I'm just assuming that you have no need to buy like any accountancy services at the moment. And the ad is all about how long they've been in business, how many clients they've got, um, the fact that they've got an office dog, you know, <laughs> um, and even some of the services that they offer. You're going to scroll past that because it has nothing to do with where you are right now, what any of your interests are. Um, and, and also being on social media, you don't go on there to do research about things that you might need in the future. You go on generally to either post, um, or to kill time, right? That's, that's typically the intent, the level of intent that we're looking at. So, but then if there's a more savvy accountancy brand and they, um, have a carousel with, you know, five insights into how you can, um, increase profits by 25% in, you know, five easy steps, then you're not going to click on a link and go and buy from them straight away. But you might pause and engage with that content in a meaningful, in a meaningful way. So that's sort of the best <laughs> first touch point that you can really um, 
that you can really have in many ways, you know, getting someone's attention and getting that deep engagement. I don't mean like a like or a click or any of that, which are typically um, empty metrics that are just no use to, to anybody. Um, the, the best metric really is one that we can't measure really, which is dwell time, how long people are stopping on a piece of content and how much attention they're actually giving us. Um, so, yeah, so that's sort of like an example of good practice versus bad practice, I, I suppose. I think that's a really good good example because ultimately we are we are looking for things that will benefit ourselves, aren't, aren't we? Whether consciously or subconsciously, we're always looking for ways to. Uh, there's a there's a book that comes to mind, one that I think you're familiar with, which is Story Brand by Donald Miller. Mm -hmm. And he talks about us needing to thrive and survive and not waste, not use too many brain cells or too much energy to to find things that allow us to thrive and survive. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think that's that's a really good example. Um, Going back a little bit, you know, you talked about wanting to initially wanting to be a footballer um, <laughs> and now you're <laughs> in in marketing. Um, at what age did you stop wanting to be a footballer? Do you know? I still want to be a footballer, but no one will sign <laughs> me. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is if you were to go back to your younger self, let's say your 18-year-old self now, yeah. based on where you, where you are and, and what you're doing and the change that you're you're trying to make in the world, what advice would you now give to your younger self? Um, probably something along, along the lines of just be bold. You know, be bold or be brave, take big swings. Because I think, um, you know, growing up, I was quite <clears throat> shy. Still am in some ways, but I've come up shell more as, I get, as I'm getting older. Um, and probably lacked... So, you know, central belief. And I think that, um, I think that it would be really healthy for any, anyone at any age, really, but especially if you're young, just to realize that it's okay to, to be bold and brave with your work and to try things, to try new things and try and break new ground and to even go against the grain. So long as it's not like trolling or, you know, or anything like that, as long as there's something real behind it. Just be be bold and be brave with your work. Yeah, I think that advice aligns quite well with the importance of of what you're doing, audience building and growing a brand and what so many people are doing these days. It is risky being self-employed, being a business owner, doing your own thing. But actually, I think now I'm on the other side, I think it's riskier not giving it a go yeah not being bold and and seeing what happens i think so i don't think you know so i'm what well, i'm 43 now when i'm when i'm 93 i don't think i'll regret giving something a try and i think i'm more likely to regret playing too small or uh playing too safe yeah i i couldn't agree more and i was having this very conversation with someone recently which is one of the main reasons I'd, I started this podcast. I remember when 
the times where I thought about starting my own business and I wasn't sure where to turn to and there weren't many people around me that had done that. And so now I'm, as I said, on the other side, it's about giving back to to those listening and saying, actually, look at all these amazing, interesting people that have been bold, have been brave and have started something, have grown a business, grown a brand. Look, look at what's happened for them. It, exactly the same could be, is possible for you if you just give it a go, get started. Yeah, exactly. And just, and just to qualify it a bit more, I don't think bold and brave doesn't need to mean, you know, you you create like a billion dollar like startup. Yeah. I don't think that, that has to be it. I think, I think it has to be something that you care about that matters to some other group of people. And there's, you know, and like, you know, an element of it might not work. I'm, I fully admit that Apricot Sky <laughs> might be a failed ex- experiment. I mean, I think the key is, and what, something that's a priority to me now is to speak to people in my audience and to really understand how it's resonating, what works, what doesn't work, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Because really, a lot of it is on me to make it, to make it work. Um, but like I said, it's not a validated thing, although I know that, it's needed i've got to but i've got to get the way i've got to get the position right i've got to get the messaging right i've got to get the offer right i've got to get the shape of it right so it aligns with pe- what people want to buy and i'm sure you'll get there amir i'm sure you will so you talked about being 93 let's fast forward to there right so you're 93 50 years time <laughs> If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Just that I genuinely cared. Like I genuinely cared about other people and the people that I work with and the people that I do the work for. Um, and it's probably probably quite a simple thing to say, but uh, I think I do. I do care and I want that to come through in the work that I do. And I think that looking at sort of apricot sky and comparing it as a vehicle for what I'm good at. It's a better vehicle for sort of expressing that than, um, you know, apricot box, which is still something I'm obviously very proud of. Um, but in terms of being able to articulate and express the things that I'm good at, uh, apricot sky is a better vehicle for that. And then, you know, I'm thinking about other things that I can start in, in the future that helps me to, to get closer to so the work that I, I obviously I love what I do, but I also love the stuff that I do with the old MBA, and I think that, that that has been a big influence on helping me to identify what the right work for me feels right feels like, and um, sort of having that internal radar, I suppose, and when I'm close to something that when I'm doing work that doesn't resonate with that sort of part of me and then when I get closer to the work that does and um so that's that's something that I keep in mind and I'm gonna start I think another thing before this before the end of the year still figuring out how to how to show up in the marketplace to the people that I wanted to serve um um, but yeah, that's that's just the way I'm thinking about that, I suppose. 
So if his desire to be remembered as someone that cares, mm. it sounds like it really aligns with your dedication to helping B2B brands build this this large audience of future buyers um, and build a better brand. If you could sum up in a sentence how how you build a better brand, what would that be? I think you have to really care about the people that you're serving because you have to show up in a way that meet, truly meets them where they are and not where you want them to be. And way too often we sort of ham fist it by putting out stuff and showing up in a way where we're wanting to get something back, you know, ideally like today and now. Um, but when you're building a brand, as you know, it, it's, it takes time. It's an investment in the future and it's investment in, in becoming a part of basically the structure of people's memories. That's how brand like works. Um, so I think you have to, to really care about about those people, about the people that you want to serve um, and care about wanting to build a, a brand and understanding that it's, it's a, it's a long-term investment, but it's a very worthwhile one. I think that's really important, especially in the current landscape of seeing so many coaches, gurus, consultants showing up saying, get this many customers in 30 days earn 30,000 in a month. <laughs> I don't know if it's just my algorithm, but they're popping up left, right and center. And it looks like a lot of people are looking for this quick fix, this quick way to get customers on board and make money. But as you just said, it's, it's, it's about building that relationship with people and strong brands, sticker for ones that stick around you know do that well yeah absolutely and that all that stuff uh you know the 30k in 30 days or whatever <laughs> whatever it is it's just not it's just not sustainable you know the, pe the people doing it might have had that kind of success themselves and then they're trying to sell lightning in a bottle and a um it's not sustainable and b you know it doesn't scale you can't really can't really do that and i would rather teach people the um like fundamental principles of sort of building a brand and how you kind of attract customers um and how to do that over the long term than sort of a short blitz that gets you you know x amount of leads uh you know guaranteed <laughs> so if people want to find out about how they do that with you and me if they want to find you online and find out more about your work what's the best place to to come and find you yeah well i'm I'm most active on linkedin i um post every day on linkedin uh, about building an audience and audience building and all that all that stuff um and i'm just yeah, you just search for Amir Bajrafshan. There aren't many Amir Bajrafshans in the world. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I should pop up. And then on the other platforms, like Twitter, I'm not that active on Instagram. I'm not that active on now threads. It's another platform for me not to be very active on. But <laughs> I'm Apricot Amir on those. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today and talking all about your business and building brands. It's been awesome. 
Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. It's been a treat. Thank you for listening to Build Better Brands. I am so grateful to have you tune in into the show and I'd love to thank you personally. So wherever you are in the world, remember to tag at Danielle Clark Creative in your social media posts and stories. Let us know when you're listening. You want to know what you've enjoyed about the show and give you a shout out. And if you would like to help more people like you discover the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us rank higher and reach more listeners. It's also a great way for us to help you with the problems your brand might be facing. Suggest a topic in your review and we might feature it and you in one of our episodes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.